are starting this brand new series um, called Freedom, and it's a financial series. And uh, so over the next four Sundays, we're going to be talking about just that, financial freedom. And uh, here's the thing. I, this is what I know. Some of you are thinking right now, come on, man. Like, I invited a friend today, and you're going to talk about money? We, we could talk about, you could talk about relationships. You could walk me through the book of Numbers. You could talk about Revelation. You could talk about sex. You could just, why do you got to talk about money today? I get it. And that's, I get that, and I understand that. And today, I want us to approach this a little bit different, because here's the thing, is it may come as no surprise to you, but honestly, across the board, in our lives, there is a a survey that happens pretty much every year about the top stressors of people. Cross, remove Christianity out of all of it. It includes Christianity. There's surveys that happen every year, and the number one stressor via Market Watch says this, regardless of the economic climate, hold on, hit that slide, thank you, regardless of the economic climate, money and finances have remained the top stressor in Americans and families since our survey began. And here's what's interesting about that is the reality of us, many of us don't need a survey to tell us that. Some of us, if you just live in Austin and you know the cost of living just living in Austin, you're already stressed out. You look at how the pace of life, you're stressed out. You're looking at what culture says you need to have because what you bought brand new last year isn't good enough this year. And you, know, and you just kind of live in this recycled kind of world of more, 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 more. And that pressure happens. That pressure happens in our life and it, it becomes one of those stressors. And what's interesting about it is that That's one of the reasons why we felt as a church that we should speak into this because of the stress, because we get it, because we understand it. But also as a church, we feel, as a church plant, just getting started, we feel it's our responsibility to teach accurate, biblical, and trustworthy information about finances. And the good news is is that there's principles in Scripture that help bring freedom to our lives about money. In fact, I believe that if you and I were to engage this series over the next four weeks and just engage and take action every week, I believe the trajectory of our finances could look different than they ever have before. I believe it wholeheartedly. As I was prepping for this this series, I'll just be honest with you, this isn't a series that I even want to talk about. This isn't, I mean, it took us, it's literally taken us past our our birthday and past for us to get to this point, but then God really spoke to my heart and our team's heart and said, this isn't a practical thing, this is a spiritual thing. People, the reason we're calling this freedom is because there's a lot of people that cannot live their life free because they're bound by what money is saying to them and what's money, what money is doing to them. And so for us, we want to make sure that we are doing that. And, so, and I also understand that when the words church and uh, finances are used in the same sentence, you can become skeptical. Honestly, I even do when I hear about churches and money. Because there has been people on TV and there has been pastors and leaders and churches across our country that have misused it and broken trust. And I get that. And I understand that. And so part of us, I need you to understand before I move forward, if you're a skeptic in this room and you already detached yourself from the message because it's money and because of just all of that, I need you to hear my heart and our church's heart. I do not want anything from you. Our church does not want anything from you. If anything, we want to do something for you. Okay? Now, let me repeat this again for you because I I want you to understand this. This is my heart. We don't want anything from you. 
That's not what this series is about. But we want something, we want to do something for you. And we want to bring uh, light back into this idea of finances and what that looks like. And, and one of the reasons behind that is because Jesus talked about finances quite a bit. Actually, there's 39 specific parables that Jesus speaks to people. 11 out of those 39 talk about money and talk about possessions. 11 of them. He talks more about money in the Bible than he talks about even hell and heaven combined. And if it's a big deal to Jesus, then it should be a big deal to us. But what you have to understand, if it was a big deal to Jesus, that means it's a big deal to the the enemy as well. Because if Jesus is talking about freedom of finances and what finances can do in our lives, then the enemy comes and says, well, hey, there's something else that I can trip them up with. There's something else that I can come into their life and get to a point where that's what they're consumed with. And so the, the springboard scripture for today is, uh, comes out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Very popular scripture. And Jesus is speaking in Matthew. He's speaking to a, a Jewish kind of culture. Everything was about how they stored up possessions. Everything with them was about really about how they uh, saw themselves with what they stored up in their homes. And Jesus kind of precedes this with, hey, don't try to store stuff up in your house that could rot and decay. And even goes on and says that a thief could easily get in and steal. Because obviously then they didn't have vaults and they didn't have houses built the way we did. They, they were made out of mud and water and, and straw and this and that. It was easy to break in and take something. So Jesus is like, why would, you, why would you store all that stuff up only for it to get taken from you? Only for it to be stolen from you? And then he makes this statement, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So here's what I want us to understand. What Jesus is talking about here is possessions, is money. And he's saying, look, wherever your treasure is, if you were to just picture, picture you holding a treasure box, whatever you treasure inside that box is where your heart will be. That'll be what you're focused on. That'll be your desire. That'll be your conviction. That'll be what you protect. That'll be everything you have. And here's a simple illustration of that is when me and, me and Audra and, and, and the kids, we first moved to our house, um, the backyard needed a little bit of work. So I got to a point where I saved up some money, and uh, I put some money into the backyard, and we fixed up the playscape, and we, we, uh, we put this big uh, mulch uh, pad down around the playscape. I cleaned up the grass, and I bought all this fertilizer, and you know, did this and did that. And I spent all this money on the grass. And to the point was, like, I got it looking pretty good. I mean, I was pretty happy about it. And I I was like, if I'm spending this money, it's got to look good, and we got to make it right, and all that kind of stuff. Even to the point where my neighbor, like, came over, and I didn't want to walk on the grass. He walked on the grass. I called the cops on him. I was like, dude, you ain't, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't didn't do that. The playscape, though, I made the kids, like, look at the playscape through through the kitchen window. You know, it's like it was for them, but it was kind of like, ah, I want to protect it a little while. I don't want it just to, to go bad, you know what I mean? But here's, here's what I'm getting to, is that whatever you invest in, whatever you put your money in, that's where your devotion goes. That's what you want to protect it. That's where, if you're spending it, that's kind of what you want to, you want to protect it. And that's what I'm saying, is that whatever, whatever you invest in, whatever you put your money into, whatever you put your, your possession, you know, mindset and heart into, is really where your heart stays. It kind of stays there. And Jesus is very clear about this, like where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. And so what's happening with my yard was my yard. I spent my money on my yard, so now I'm going to protect that. And that was, that was, this is a breaking of a mindset that I'll get to here in a little bit about what that attitude can do to us. 
You see, Jesus cares about our finances because he knows it can impact our lives, but it can also impact our children's lives. It can impact our, our city. It can impact our families. He knows. He understands that. And like I said, because the enemy knows that, he says, let me tie them up a little bit. Let me get them to the point where they cannot be generous. They cannot think about anything else except paycheck to paycheck and life and just more and consume. And that's where their treasure is. And that's where I'll keep their heart. Because if I can keep their heart there, they're not worried about anything else. And so today there is a picture, a physical picture of your spiritual life. I mean, your financial life. Each and every one of us has a spiritual present financial picture. So I want to show you this picture real quick of a, of a beach. So if you look at this picture, some of us in the room, you may have this financial picture. You may look at this and say, gosh, that's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's the water's calm, the sun's going down, a little bit of clouds, but no rain. I can live with this. This is awesome. Life's good. I've been wise with my money. I've saved up. I got a savings account and I don't really have a lot of stress with my money, you know, and this is what this is what our life can look like. Some of us, we look like the next picture. Just an average day in the city of Austin. Average day, we're not at the beach. It's not raining either. But we're kind of living paycheck to paycheck. Normal life, pace of life, 40, 50 hour work weeks. And, you know, the bills come just as quick as they, you pay them last month. And you're just kind of in that picture, right? Some of us are in the next picture. Storm clouds are rolling in. The second I said finances, you went to a picture like this. Man, it's getting ready to storm. I can't get away from this. This is too stressful for me. It's dark. It's bleak. I'm so far from the beach. I'm even so far from just a regular day. Some of us, we cringe at this because the minute we think finances, this is kind of where our mind goes. It's kind of where our heart goes. And it's the reality. And the reality is, is that most people actually live right here. But then there's another group of us that can live in the next picture. It's like a tornado destruction. You're looking for cover. You're afraid to go to the mailbox. You don't even want to take that phone call that's coming through your phone, and you just get to a point in your life where you're like, look, I just, I can't, I can't keep up with this. Each and every one of us are one of these pictures in our finances. And some of us, like I said, you may be at the beach, and you're like, I've, I've got this. You know what I mean? My checkbook is down to the pennies, right? But that's, and that's great, but here's the reality. People around us, and even in our own lives, stats tell us that 75 to 78% of this room looks like storm clouds or tornadoes. Well, let me tell you something. Let God move in you. If you're, if you're sitting on the beach right now in your financial picture, God may, may stir you to lead and help somebody else in where their finances are. And so to give you a heads up about something that we believe in here is that this whole series comes out of this book called The ABCs of Financial Freedom. A pastor wrote this, and it's a really powerful book, and this is where I base a lot of this content from. And uh, as I was praying about it, and I even I told our team, one of the things we want to do is we've, we've bought these books for each and every person in our church, every family in our church. And so, um, unfortunately, they weren't here uh, to give out today, but next Sunday, as you leave, you can take one of these books. And the book's free. Obviously, you don't need to pay for it. It's just for you. We want to give it to you. Um, and part of that is that we want to bring freedom to each other's lives in terms of what, where we're at in our finances. And like I said, it, it has to be part of who we are. And part of our culture here at Vintage is we want to be a church that's generous. And so part of that, taking that step, is if we want to be generous, we want you generous, which means we're going to give you this book. And part of that is become, because of the reality of the 75% of people that we 
look at that say, hey, my life looks like storm clouds. My, my, my financial life, man, I just, I can't, I can't handle it. Some of us, like I said, we're, we're tornado life. You know what I mean? And that's just the way it goes. I believe in this series, today's the foundational point of this series, which means we lay a foundation and we build on top of this. And so today I want us to talk about uh, really uh, his will in our life about our financial picture. You see, it doesn't mean that each and every one of us is going to go crazy and we're all actually going to be living on the beach one day because then that means everybody has to leave the city of Austin and that's not God's will for you guys. You guys have to stay here in the city of Austin. But, but what I'm saying is that should be your picture. That should be your picture, peace. That it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be uh, a wave, crashing waves. It needs to be calm waves. It doesn't need to be a storm. It just needs to be you know, overlay with the sun going down. Like, you and I have to be able to start to picture what we want. And so um, I believe that's his will. So as we lay the foundation, in order for us to change our financial picture, I want us to be able to do four things. And the first one is this. You and I have to have a vision of our financial future. We have to have a vision of our financial future. If you want your financial future to change, then paint a different picture. And you have to be able to write it down. You have to be able to look at your life and say, this is where I want to go. The Bible even tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says, without vision, people cast off restraint. There's no guardrails. They just do whatever. And that's something that you and I have to be able to do in our finances is we have to look at our financial picture. And if you're, if you're storm clouds today, you need to see that beach. You need to see what that looks like and, that, and, 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 and say that's what you want uh, in your financial picture. And the, the reason so many of our financial pictures, sorry, I'm jumping ahead here. Nope, I'm not. Another, one of the other translation, translations talks about that if you don't have a clear picture of where you're going, you will be pulled astray all the time. So you and I first, number one, we have to have a vision because if not, here's one of our biggest problems. Our nearsighted desires are clearer than our farsighted dreams. Let me say that again. Our nearsighted desires are clearer than our farsighted dreams. What does that mean? I don't need to save my money because I need the new iPhone 11. I don't, I don't need to, to, to worry about my financial future today because I really want something now. And this is what happens. Our nearsightedness, what I want right now, actually starts to trump and remove the dreams that we have in the future. I could tell you something that happened to me and Audra is it, last year in our 10-year anniversary, we went, to, we went to Italy. It took us 10 years to make that trip. 10 years to make that trip. And when I got there, I realized, you know what? Um, I had allowed nearsightedness to stop me for 10 years not making that trip. And when I got back, the first thing I told Dodger is, we ain't waiting 10 years again to do something like this. And part of that was the picture I had in my mind. Something had, I don't know whether it was just the culture I've grown up in, I don't know what it was, just said, that's so far out of your reach, don't even think about it. Make it, wish, make it wishful. Make it like a bucket list that you'll never get to. But here's the reality, that I, all I had to do was tweak a few little things. Everybody knows I love coffee and tortillas, just don't buy so many. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like, craft coffee in Austin's like five bucks. I saved that a couple times a month. And tortillas, man, I mean, just, you, there we go. That's the trip. You know what I mean? 
So you, you just have to, you have to pick and choose kind of where you're at in your life. So I'm not sure what your goal is, but here's something I want you to do homework-wise this next week. Take a journal, sit down with your spouse or by yourself if you're single or you're whatever, and what does that picture look like for you? And write it down. Lay it before the Lord. Put a vision out in front of you. This is where I want to be. And, and, and just make it practical. God, this is what I want. And lay it down before him every day. And you know what? He will bring those convictions to you. He will remind you of the vision that, you've given, that he's given you, that you've given right back to him. He will remind you of it. And so that's number one. Number two is this. You need to have the right thinking. Number two is that you need to have the right thinking. First thing is you need to have a vision for your future, but number two is you have to have the right thinking. If we're going to change our financial picture, we have to think the right way about our finances. Because most of us don't think we're the problem. We actually think it's an external problem. So what we say, man, if my boss would just pay me more, right? If my wife wouldn't shop at Target all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that one, kind of. What we tend to do is we kind of look at it and say, well, well you know, if, if I had a better job, you know, the, my problems wouldn't be that bad. If the government wouldn't take all my taxes, if, it wasn't, if my mortgage, you know, wouldn't jump $300 every year, and if it wouldn't do this and we wouldn't do that, and eventually we start to kind of push our financial picture, and if you rely on everyone else to tell you what your financial picture is, they will paint it for you. If you let the world tell you what your finances should look like, it'll tell you what your finances should look like. It's just the way it is. So you and I have to have the right thinking about money. Because it's not an external problem. It's not everybody else. That's like somebody eating at McDonald's for a year and then turning around and suing McDonald's because they're fat. Doesn't make any sense, does it? You know what I mean? So if we don't think right about our money, we can't turn around and blame everybody else. So we have to think right about our money. Dave Ramsey, one of the financial authors, one of the things that we're going to be doing at the end of this series is that there's a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey who's a financial guru. And we're going to be launching uh, Financial Peace University within Vintage. And there's going to be some small groups about it and some different things about it. But one of the statements that he makes is that financial freedom is 20% knowledge and 80% behavior. It's thinking and behavior. It's not everybody else. It's thinking and behavior. And Proverbs 23.7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're in a storm cloud... If your picture, your financial picture is storm cloud and every day you get up and just say, this is what it's going to be for the rest of my life, that's what it's going to be. But if you get up and say, you know, no, 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 that's how it is today, but there's a beach day coming. If you start that process, it will happen. And so we have to have the right thinking about money. If we think, again, how our picture looks right now and how we want it to be, Frame that with vision, change your attitude, and when we think about our right way with money, we will trust God differently. You'll trust God differently when you start to think about it differently, which means it's, we lead to number three, is you and I have to have the right attitude towards God first. You and I have to have the right attitude towards God. And see, financial freedom really comes down to the issue of control, doesn't it? Finances are always about control. This is what makes it difficult because let's be honest, we kind of like control, right? 
with my new yard, I wanted to control things because it was mine. I bought it with my money. It was mine. Don't touch my money. I worked hard for it. It's mine. And before you know it, if you live your life with a mine mentality, that's kind of the opposite of how God wants us to live our life. It's not just mine. So you and I have to change our attitude towards God. When it comes to having the right attitudes towards God, it really comes down to lordship and fatherhood. You see, some of us, we love the Jesus version that he's our savior, he's our friend, he saves me, he heals me, he, 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 he forgives me. I'm not too sure that we like God as a father sometimes because then that signifies he's in control. That signifies that he's, he's kind of in charge. Jesus as Lord over my life, that kind of signifies that kind of I'm under his supreme rule. And sometimes we don't like that version of Jesus. Let's be honest. We don't like that one. I like control, man. Like, Jesus, save me when I let you down, but you can't have my money. You can't have that part of me. You can have everything else but that. And that's where Jesus makes sense and says, oh, that's where your treasure is. Oh, that's where your heart is. Oh, I get that. And so for us, we have to focus today and say, okay, what's my attitude towards God today? Because again, we love the Savior part, but we have to understand Jesus as our Lord is one thing and Jesus as our Savior is another. So you, with our money, we have to have an attitude change about that. So to change our financial picture, we have to surrender our finances to the Lordship of who Jesus is. We have to acknowledge the sovereignty of God in our finances. And what does this mean? It means that we acknowledge it. So let me ask you this. Every time you go to the store, every time you jump on Amazon, which is like 99.9% of us, every time you go, you go to the Apple store, which, oh my gosh, that's, that's a, Jesus help me, the Apple store. Like, do we surrender, so to speak? Do we look at need versus want? Do we look at these things that we buy and just say, hey, God, what, what, where's my heart at in this today? Is my heart in the right place? Is this just, is this just me being greedy, Lord? Is this me being greedy? See, it's, it's just an attitude change. It doesn't mean that, that each and every one of us shouldn't have a beach. Actually, this is one of my problems with, with how we often see money is that the reality is, is that there is nothing that says you and I should not have financial freedom in the Bible. There's nothing that says we shouldn't have wealth. There's nothing that says that we shouldn't have a healthy bank account. There's nothing like that. The problem is, is that Christians that have got there sometimes have said that's, that's just their call. That's just them. No, no, no. There's freedom for each and every one of us. There's financial freedom for each and every one of us. It's just how do we approach it? How do we approach it? Are we approaching our finances and our spiritual life? Are we looking at our finances as a spiritual tool to help people, to help, help what God has for us? A great example that I love about attitude is King David in the Old Testament. He was obviously a king. Most of you guys know that he, he started off in his father's field and ended up slaying Goliath and he went through all this kind of stuff. He ended up being a king over Israel. And per, per law, he became the ruler over everything in Israel. And he was able to live in the palace, and he was able to have all of these possessions, and he was able to have all of this power. He could go wherever he wanted, do whatever he wanted, have whatever he wanted. He had that ability. But look what he says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 and 12. He says, yours, O Lord. Talk about attitude. Yours, O Lord, is the greatest is, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. 
And this is your kingdom. He goes on to say, we adore you as the one who is over what? Few things? Stuff that's in my closet? No, no, no. All things. Wealth and honor, what? Come from you alone. For you rule over what? Everything. Power and might are in your hands. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. I love David's attitude here. Because if anybody could have just been selfish with it and said, I've earned this, man. Like, I've done this all on my own. This is mine. Ain't nobody touching it. I'm the king. This is, he could have easily had that attitude. But look at the attitude he had. This is the attitude example. So when you journal this week, write 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. It's in your notes, in your handout, if you've got one. Sit there with your journal this week. Wake up early in the morning, one, just one day this week. Wake up early in the morning and lay your finances before the Lord and say, Lord, Help me to have this attitude. Help me to have this attitude towards my finances. You see, David understood a very key principle that you and I have to understand today. There is a difference between owning something and possessing something. Let me say that again, and I'll give you a quick illustration. There is a difference between owning something and possessing something. When me and Audra got married, we, uh, we got married. We were from Albuquerque. Everybody knows we got married in Albuquerque. And uh, we were going to road trip. We had a, uh, um, uh, I was going to say Airbnb. We had a place given to us in Lake Tahoe to spend our honeymoon. And Lake Tahoe is about 14 hours away from Albuquerque. So um, I went to go get the car rental. And originally, they were going to give me kind of like, you know, the standard car. And so I got there. And the guy was like, you know, I was talking about my honeymoon and, you know, this and that. And he's like, oh, okay, I got you. And so he goes to the back, he comes back, and he hands me the keys, and he says, hey, now go to the second row, blah, 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 and uh, I got you the Dodge Charger, the brand new one. And I was like, muscle car, done, right? Audra, I'm out. And uh, so we went, I grabbed that car, and man, the minute I started it up, I mean, it was brand new. I think it only had like 12 miles on it or something, and it was like the GT version. I mean, it was awesome. I was so fired up. I was like, let's leave right now. And uh, so we, we actually did, I think. I actually went home, and I told her, let's go. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's just go. So we took off and we drove to Vegas and stayed the night in Vegas and we went up to Lake Tahoe and then we stayed there for a week and then we went down the California coast and we went to Disneyland together and went over to Oceanside and San Diego and all this place and went back to Albuquerque. And it was a blast. I stinking love that car. There was even a portion where I was probably not going the speed limit multiple times and uh, it was because the cars in front of me were going faster than me so I just had to like keep up. And uh, there was a point that between Vegas and Lake Tahoe, it's kind of like Area 51 out there. It's just really ugly. And, uh, and there's like nobody out there. Even cops are like, I ain't going out there. And so it's a really perfect opportunity to see what the car can do. And so like, I, I, you know, Audra was asleep. You know, I looked over and she's out. So I'm like, Psh, boom, right? And man, I made that car fly down that road. And I was fired up. I mean, we, we, I actually was watching the maps and I realized that I was supposed to, we were supposed to be, it, we, we actually made it an hour and a half, almost two hours early to Lake Tahoe. There was other reasons for that too, but you know, whatever. And uh, everybody, oh, you guys didn't get that one. There was other reasons I wanted to get there faster. In Jesus' name, amen. But here's the reality about this story. Here's the reality about possession and ownership. Is that here's the deal. When I got back to Albuquerque, the rental agreement was over. And as much as I didn't want to, I had to give the car back. And here's the reason. 
Even though I was in possession of it, I wasn't the owner of it. So even though I enjoyed it, even though I liked it, even though it was, my, it was mine for a period of time, I possessed it. I didn't own it, which means I had to give it back. So when you and I think about attitude towards God, understand that everything we have, we are in possession of it. But man, we don't own it. And there will become a point where Jesus, he, he makes that very clear even in Matthew chapter 6. I'd, I'd highlight that note this week and go back and look at it because that's his mentality. I'll give it to you. You can possess it. You can put your name on that house. You can put your name on that car. You can put your name on that, on that, on that loan. You can put your name on, on that bank account, that savings. You can put your name on it. But at the end of the day, don't store that up as your rank. Don't store that up as your value. Don't store that up as your identity. Don't store that up as who you are. You are my son. You're my daughter. And I'm just lending it to you. And you need to, you and I have to approach God that way with that attitude. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. You and I have to be faithful with what God is doing in our lives. So again, number four is we need to be willing to change our actions now. You change your attitude, it's not enough. You can't just be like, okay, God, this is yours, and then not act upon it. So number four is you and I have to be willing to change our actions. You see, I get, I get, most, I get it because change is hard. Change is difficult. We don't like it. It's really, really difficult. But for many of us, our financial problems are not number problems. Hear me when I say this. Our financial problems aren't number problems. They're behavior problems. A lot of it is. And so according to the Federal Reserve Board, almost 50% of Americans spend more money than they earn. That's just a behavior problem. Now, don't get me wrong. Cities like Austin, they kind of, they kind of put you up against that number even when you really don't want to. If you want to live in Austin, they said the average person in the city of Austin to live healthy with a 20, 30% margin in the city of Austin has to make about $150,000 a year, right? Isn't that crazy? And, and honestly, it's only going up. But here's the deal. That's because culture says you need to live in a certain zip code and you need to have a certain house, and you need to drive a certain car, and you need to spend this much money, and you need to have this, and you need to have that. That doesn't have to be us. Now, if we get there and we do it and it's healthy, sure. But here's the reality. Some of it's just behavior for us. And so we have to change our behavior. And again, I get it. I've had medical bills come up. We've, you know, our daughter's been sick, and certain things didn't cover insurance, and sometimes you kind of get stacked against you, and your behavior has to change according to that. But here's the reality. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 says, good planning and hard work lead to what? Prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. If you're not planning and you're not being wise and you're not having the right attitude and you're not looking at, at God as the sovereign Lord over your life, it's easy to take shortcuts. And then we're in the middle of those shortcuts and then guess what we do? God, why? So many times I, as a pastor, I've ran into that, not only personally, one of my biggest mistakes when I first started my faith journey and coming out of architecture school and all this kind of stuff is one of my biggest problems is I worked really hard with no plan. So I made a pretty decent amount of money and didn't have anything to show for it because I became house poor and car poor and I had everything I needed. But the minute I got to that, I had to stay there until an attitude change said, no, you can get rid of that car. An attitude change says, well, won't you just downgrade your house? Why don't you do this? And, and guess what? In that process, God led me to something way better than what I had the first time. You know, and so for us, it has to be a behavior thing. 
we have to change our mindset. We have to look at that kind of thing. And so as I close today, as we start this process, again, today I wanted it to be foundational. To be honest with you, I wanted each and every one of you guys to hear my heart and hear kind of where we're going with this series. There's a lot of theology behind money, and there's a lot of theology and, and, and things I'm going to teach in this series about money. But here's the thing. You and I have to embrace the next few things. And number one, we have to embrace self-denial. We have to embrace self-denial. To change the picture from tornado to storms, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to say no to some things now so you can get what you want later. Zig Ziglar says this, the chief cause of failure and unhappiness is trading what you want most for what you want right now. Let me say that again. The chief cause of failure and unhappiness is trading what you want most for what you want right now. You see, that's not an easy trade for us. So if you want finance, financial freedom in the future, what is the enemy constantly telling you to trade? And just think through that. So number one is self-denial. Number two is self-discipline. I wish there was an easy way to achieve financial freedom, but let me tell you something, it takes self-discipline. Dave Ramsey also is one of the best quotes he's, he's kind of coined in, in finances, that if you live like no one else, then one day you'll get to live and give like no one else. So some of you, God's going to put you in a position in this series where he's going to say, hey, why don't you live like no one else right now so in the future you could live like no one else. And that's an attitude change, and that's a mindset change, and that's who it is. And the last one is this, and the most important thing, because this is my heart behind everything. You need to just trust God. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in the spring. What if we trusted his plan? What if we trusted his word over everything? What if in the next four weeks we put the beach picture back up? Each and every one of us have this picture. Each and every one of us can look at this and have this picture of the beach in our financial life. You know why? Because you can enjoy the beach with everybody around you. You can, the enemy wants you focused on you. He wants you waking up every day saying, this is mine and my life, and that's just the way it is. And let me tell you, if you walk every day with your head down, only worried about what's hold, what you have in your hands, it's hard to see the needs next to you. It's hard for you to even, even, even move that direction when your arms are full of the things that you have to carry. So if anything today, it's a matter of us just kind of opening our hands towards God and just saying, I trust you with this life. I trust you with, with what's happening in my heart. There was a point in my life, even right before I moved to Austin, that I thought everything was in order. I was on staff at a church. I had a, I had a house five minutes away. My finances were good. And it all went away, and my entire life got put in a little storage unit, and I put my wife and two kids in a car, and we drove to Denver just because I had to get out of Albuquerque. And there was a point where I was laying in not my apartment, my mother-in-law's apartment, living with my mother-in-law. And I remember laying there and I remember just thinking, Lord, why is my life like this? Why did I get to here? Like, what did I do wrong? Where, where did I mess up that I, that, that I thought I had everything together and now all of a sudden I'm just, I'm just, I'm barely making it. And actually I'm running out of money and my life is in a storage and my identity is gone and I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. You know, the Holy Spirit just kind of whispers when you're trying to be loud. He kind of whispers. 
And really the words that kept coming to me every time I would start to pray about it is what you are staring at, not even looking at. You're so consumed with that that I'm looking at your heart. Do you trust me? And I thought, you know what? Trust, you don't trust somebody when things are right. You actually, your trust is revealed when things aren't going the way they, they should. You trust somebody when you feel like life's going to fall apart and God says, trust me. So if anything for us, if you and I want the beach picture, trust God. Get, get yourself in the right posture today. That's why we worship at the beginning of a service. We don't do it because it's a religious thing. We do it because, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to get our mind in the right place. So one of the things I want to ask you is that as we look through this, I want you to journal this week, cast vision for your finances. What does that look like for you? Trust God today. Make the decision today to trust God. Don't make it next week. Don't make it, don't make it when things are right. Make it now. Just take the opportunity to trust God. I trust God with my money. I trust God with my, my kids. I trust God with my, my family. Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. And as we close today, that's my heart for you. In, in this financial series, just trust God. Live right. Righteous living is trusting God. He'll just give you everything you need. You'll end up on a beach one day and you're going to be like, ah, was that easy? Yeah, it was. But you won't arrive there without bringing people with you. You won't arrive there without God saying, I want you to help somebody else experience the same thing. So let's change our attitude today. Let's trust God. So I'm going to ask if you stand with me. One of the things that we do as we close services is that we always take a time to respond, just spiritually, just getting ourselves to respond. So maybe something stood out of this message. Maybe something stood out. Maybe it's a lack of trust or attitude or maybe your fear of, of letting go or you've only, you've only ever done it this way. Maybe the storm clouds have always just been there and you're like, that's just my reality. Maybe, maybe you're the person that's like, no, no, I've got that beach picture. I'm actually pretty good with my fans. I would challenge you that there's more to that picture, that it's not you standing alone on that beach, that there's probably other people that should be standing with you. Whatever your picture looks like, cast that. But at the end of it, trust God. Let God in on your life today. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing this song, close out, and then we're going to baptize some folks. Lord, we just come to you right now, and we ask Jesus that as we approach these finances, as we look at our financial picture today, there's some people in the room today, and they look at their financial picture, and Lord, their heart kind of breaks because they say, Lord, it's a tornado storm clouds I don't know how I'm going to get out of this I don't know what's going to happen I pray God right now that they would just change that attitude God that through you all things are possible that through you Jesus that if we trust you and give you our lives you will direct our path you will lay the path way for us Jesus that the same thing for those who maybe have the beach picture or just the average day to day speak to them let them see exactly what they need to see. At the end of it, we all arrive at this point right here, that as we worship together one last song, that we would all just simply trust you, that we would all simply just say, Jesus, it's about you, and that's it. So right now, I just pray for each person in this room. Help us to trust you. Help us to just walk by faith this morning. And as we worship you, ignite that spirit within us, that joy, 
that we can experience financial freedom through you. And Jesus, we come open-handed this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.